2: Seated with Christ in the heavenlies. You know, that's not something we're hoping to happen. That's a fact for the child of God. We're not just seated with him. We're literally living in his presence, interacting moment by moment, enjoying his love and his goodness. We sing, we worship because it suits us as children of God. We were made for these things. We were made to worship him. Jesus said, those who worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. And that's what the child of God was made for. He was birthed both in spirit and in truth. That he might worship him knowing who he is in truth and worshiping in him in the purity and the fullness of his spirit. You know, we often live the day-to-day of life with little or no awareness of God's presence or activity. We get distracted. We get so caught up in the goings-on. We find ourselves fixated on the temporal. And the presence of God seems to make very little difference in the moment. But... We may not be bothered by this until we come into a situation that we're unable to resolve or control. And often when we do notice it, when you do get to the end of that moment when suddenly you're, it comes to your mind, oh, you know what? God is here. God is with me. Immediately the accuser comes on and says, well, you haven't talked to him all day. And you get the sense that maybe God is not speaking to you right now. Or maybe that he's a little uh, disappointed in your lack of devotion. This, of course, is a lie. It's calculated to create unbelief in your soul. It's equating God with the pettiness of humanity. It is not the truth. He is with you because he wants to be, and he's God. He can choose wherever he is. Have you ever heard the saying, actions speak louder than words? Well, I think faith is the key to having an ongoing communion with God. I believe by faith that I have to declare that his life is in me, that I am walking with him, that his activity is about me. I have to do this by faith. I can't see it. And maybe he's silent. And maybe I haven't heard anything audibly or in my spirit. But here's the truth. He is with me. He is present. It's so easy to forget that. We're so blinded by our circumstances that we forget to recognize his presence or his activity around us. I want us to look at an event that I have spoken on before. It's included in all three Gospels. It's in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. If you have your Bibles, look on with me as I read. Mark four thirty-five through 41. It reads, On that same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go to the other side of the lake. And leaving the throng, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat in which he was sitting. And the other boats were with him. And a furious storm of wind, of hurricane proportions arose. And the waves kept beating into the boat, so that it was already becoming filled. But he himself was in the stern of the boat, asleep on a leather cushion. They awoke him and said to him, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush now, be still, muzzled. And the wind ceased, sank to rest as if exhausted by its beating. And there was immediately a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. He said to them, Why are you so timid? And fearful, how is it that you have no faith, no firmly relying trust? And they were filled with great awe and feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, now Jesus had been teaching in the towns and villages around the Sea of Galilee all day. And as he taught, the crowds would press in and gather, to gather around him and press in to hear him, because obviously he didn't have a microphone. So Jesus climbed into a boat that was docked there, and began to speak to the crowd from there. Well, it was at the end of a very long day of teaching, and he tells his disciples, he says, let's go to the other side of the lake. A good many of Jesus' disciples were actually seasoned fishermen, experienced fishermen, who had made their living on that very sea. Some of them were natives to that area. They'd been raised on the waters that they were on. And when they set off to sail to the other side, it was late in the evening and probably dark. Jesus, being exhausted from a full day of teaching, went to the stern, the back of the boat, and he laid down on a cushion and fell fast asleep. It was then, while Jesus slept, a furious storm of wind arose. Now remember, these guys are sailors. They're not unfamiliar with this body of water. You see, the Sea of Galilee is actually a a huge lake surrounded by mountains. And in the months of May through October, the winds would rush down the ravines of these mountains and hit the lake, resulting in sudden storms. Well, these guys weren't caught underwear. They, they, They had expected that this could happen. However... What scriptures are describing here was something far more powerful than the typical seasonal storm. The waves were so great that they were filling the boat. There were hurricane-force wind, and these seasoned sailors were scared. All the while, Jesus slept peacefully. Think about this. It was Jesus who stepped in and picked the boat, right? It was Jesus who actually picked the time of departure. It was Jesus who picked the men around him who were mostly sailors. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Were they not all being obedient? Were they not in the will of God? How could something like this happen? Well, this is no ordinary storm. It was not a seasonal expectation. This was the work of God. You see, get this. God allowed a storm that was greater than their skill to handle. And it took a storm that big for them to see their need. And I'm sure... You know, I, I don't believe the saying that God won't put more on us than we can bear. I, in fact, I am a testimony to the fact that He will. And I can see them absolutely fearing for their lives. God allows things that are in accordance with His will and plan for us. And here's the thing, guys he, He's not trying to make us stronger. He is not trying to make us stronger. He is showing us that we are weak. And he, he is strong. He told Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Well, how would I know his strength if I never knew my weakness? It's revelation for me. I'm sure the disciples waited till the very last moment till it looked like certain death before they awakened Jesus. Have you been there? The very last moment you drop to your knees and pray. And you see, they still didn't fully understand who Jesus was to them. And I think that's why we wait as well. In their minds, He was a rabbi or a prophet. But in truth, He was the Creator become flesh, the Savior. John tells us that all things came into being through him. Colossians 1.16 says, "...for it was in him that all things were created, in heaven and on earth, things seen and things unseen, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities." All things were created and existed through him by his service, intervention, and in and for him. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 tells us he holds all things together by his word. The one who created all things and is holding all things together is sleeping in their midst. Yet they were more aware of the storm and the potential risk to their physical lives than the presence and power of God that is with them. God allowed what he could have prevented, that they might know him in truth. No matter how big the storm around you may be, the presence of the Savior within you is your assurance. He is your hope. He is your safe place. He is your peace if you are a child of God. In the midst of the storm, there's a quiet rest, the rest of His presence. God will not allow us to ignore our need for Him. Every moment that we cling to ourselves or to others is a moment that we forfeit His rest. Rest is not ignorant bliss or an emotion. Rest is a conscious trust and a confident reliance upon Him. Without Him, you must trust in frail, mortal flesh. When the disciples had exhausted their strength and hope of delivering themselves, at that point they awakened Jesus with fear, And an accusatory question. Master. Do you not care that we're perishing? By this time. The disciples had seen Jesus perform many miracles. They had heard the profound wisdom of his teaching. They had been with him day and night. They probably thought they knew him. But with the storm came. A revelation. The storm's. The trials, the tribulations of life bring revelation. The revelation for them was that they only knew about Jesus. They did not yet truly know Jesus. We're in an age of awakening. The age of storms. The devolution of man. And what we've discovered is it's not about us. It's not about self-sufficiency. Because self-sufficiency is a lie. And God allows things in the lives of men to demonstrate the fact that self-sufficiency is a lie. But there's only one way, there's only one truth, and there's only one life. And it's him. It's Jesus. It was at the point of utter despair that they ventured to awaken him. And he arose... And rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush now, be still, muzzled. And the wind ceased, sank to rest as if exhausted by its beating. And there was immediately a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. The psalmist often speaks about the soul. He says things like, Be still, my soul. Be glad, O my soul. Be joyful, O my soul. That is the mind, will, and emotion. Because the storms that we go through are experienced in the soul first and foremost. The disappointments, the insecurities, the fear. And if you don't have a Savior who can step into the middle of that and say, Hush! Peace! Be still! Then you ride the waves... And you're constantly afraid of being swamped by your circumstances. The wind ceased, sank to rest. And immediately, a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. I love that. You know God's the only one that can give you a perfect peacefulness because only perfect peace comes through the Prince of Peace. We have perfect peace because we have Jesus. That's the only way you can have perfect peace. There was no drama, no great demonstration, just the spoken word of the Creator to His creation. The Savior put the wind and the sea at rest. Jesus didn't wake up in a panic. He didn't scold the disciples for not waking him sooner. He almost made it seem like it was much ado about nothing. Let me ask you something. Think about this. Was the miracle that Jesus performed just a spontaneous intervention by God to save them from certain destruction? Or was it a revelation that Jesus is their ever-present hope protector, provider, their savior, and the creator of all things. Did God just take control when things got bad? Or did God just demonstrate that he was always in control? And he said to them, Why are you so timid and fearful? How is it that you have no faith, no firm, relying trust? Why would he ask them that? They had only done what we all do, right? They What we're commanded to do, they called upon the Lord in their distress. Why would he ask that question? Their unbelief was not in calling upon the Lord. Their unbelief was in their reckoning that the storm took God by surprise and Jesus must intervene, that their faith was held by the elements, by the circumstances, that surrounded them. The miracle that Jesus performed demonstrated what was always true. God is in control. Our Lord was permitting the circumstance to bring them into faith. Jesus was discipling them. He was teaching them, illustrating that He was their salvation in all things. There are times when we no longer have the strength or the capacity to endure. We can be overwhelmed by our feelings of helplessness, yet for the child of God, he is there. Though he may seem silent, though he may seem unconcerned, he is there. This is a call to trust. This is a call to faith. And when the disciples realized that they could no longer affect their circumstances, they could have crawled up around Jesus. They could have crawled up next to him and gone to sleep. Because it was Jesus' boat they were in. And his fate was tied to them. Jesus was at rest. Why was Jesus at rest? Well, if you read John, you know this. Jesus had laid his life in the hands of the Father. Not in the hands of the sea. Not in the hands of men. Not in the hands or the fate of that body. But in the hands of the Father. So he could lay his head down and rest. For God is in control. There's a lot going on in this world around us. And a lot of these things seem to threaten us. There are things that are happening in our lives that we cannot affect or change. Maybe you cannot see his activity in those circumstances. So you cry out, Lord, save me, asking God to intervene in the storm. There's nothing wrong with calling upon the Lord in a time of crisis. But do not be unbelieving. Do not think that God is just going to arrive unaware. That he is just distracted, waiting for you to call. If you're a child of God, he is abiding with you. He is watching the wind blow and the waves crash. And nothing will touch your life apart from his allowance. You are held firmly in his hand. Let us believe that the storm is but a platform that your God stands on. That the fury is your invitation to rest. To seize his rest by faith. Determined faith. That's not in your emotions. It's not in your circumstances. It's not in the wall that threatens you. It's not in your security, it's not in your storage. it is not in your health, it is in him. in Christ alone. If you are a child of God, you live in His presence. Don't let the enemy interpret your circumstances for you. Stand in faith. In Hebrews 6.19, I've read this before. Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps upon it. A hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil that is this body. It reaches to the throne of God. It reaches into the presence of God. That is your hope. You are anchored to Him. You're not tossed about. These disciples were in the presence of God. He was in the boat. Just as you, Christian, have His presence in you. Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory is abiding. If you're a Christian, you have his abiding presence within. The storm about you will never be greater than the God within you. If you're not a Christian, now is the time. Come receive his salvation and rest in his arms. If you can hear his voice rising above the storm in your soul, call to him. Do you long for a peace that doesn't waver? You can know it. If you need a Savior, pray this prayer after me. You can read it. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and in need of God's forgiveness. I understand that you Lord Jesus, died to pay for my sins and rose from the dead to give me a new life. I am, by faith, asking you for forgiveness for all the sin of my life and for you to receive my life that I may be yours for eternity. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer, Let us know And if you're a child of God Stand in the truth Stand in determined faith Unwavering faith And know that he is with you He will never leave you Nor forsake you Thank you for joining us For His Life Revealed With Pastor Todd
1: Granger This program is the radio ministry Of His Life Fellowship In San Antonio, Texas If you'd like to know more about us P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas 78006.